Shalom Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Shane Baker. Shane is the best-loved Episcopalian on the Yiddish stage today. He's appeared off-Broadway and internationally in his own Yiddish translation of Samuel Beckett's Waiting for Godot. As executive director of the Yiddish organization, the Congress for Jewish Culture, he's produced and performed in numerous productions. He has played venues from Carnegie Hall to the Sholem Club at the Four Seasons of Metaconk Lakes, New Jersey, and has brought Yiddish culture to every continent, yes, including Antarctica. He is the, or will be the recipient um, at an award ceremony of the 2020 Adrian Cooper Dreaming in Yiddish Award. Welcome, Shane. So happy that you could join me today on the phone. I'm happy to be here with you. Um, and I've have I've had you into my quote home before on virtual theater, so it's it's kind of fun to be able to ask you some questions about your work. And to begin with, I've read that um, I want to know more about your sort of how you came to Yiddish and to Yiddish acting. But I thought it'd be fun to start with what I've read, which is your meeting with the legendary Yiddish actress Luba Kaddison while you were waiting tables at the Tavern on the Green. True story? And if so, tell me more. Uh, yes, it's a, it's a true story. Uh, that's basically it. Uh, you know, I came to New York from Kansas City, uh, like most theater hopefuls from the Midwest. You wind up here, and of course you wait tables. I was working at Tavern on the Green, and one Sunday afternoon, a couple of women came in for brunch, and as I was serving them their Bloody Marys, I heard one of them say something in Yiddish. At that point, I'd already started studying and already knew some people in the Yiddish theater world. Uh, so I stopped, and I raised my eyebrows. I said, do you can't Yiddish? You, you speak Yiddish? And uh, one of the women gave a little laugh, <laughs> said, Avade kenich Yiddish, you'll be na Yiddish actrice. Certainly I speak Yiddish, I'm a, I'm a Yiddish actress. And this was Luba Kattison. I knew her uh, name from her book with her husband, uh, Joe Buloff and uh, Irving Gen, On Stage, Off Stage, which is a sort of a, in place of a catalog of their materials at uh, the Harvard Library there, but uh, I, I didn't know for sure that she was still around. I certainly didn't think I'd meet her. She was not very active in Yiddish theater circles at that point in time, although a lot of people of her generation who were still around were. Uh, she held herself a little bit at a, at a distance from the others. And you also um, met Mina Byrne? Yes, Mina was one of my first acquaintances in the world of Yiddish. I, so uh, it, yes? Go ahead. I, I met Mina because she was in the first Yiddish theater production I ever saw, Mirala Efros, the Jewish Queen Lear, at uh, the old Folksbina Theater. Uh, that was a production 93-94, my first year here in town, and uh, it had a lot of 
the big names from that generation, you know, Zipporah Speismann was still running the theater and she played Mirala Efros, and Shifra Lehrer played Machla, her maid. Felix Fiebich was one of the Machatonim, and Mina Byrne played the Machateniste, the, the mother-in-law, the mother of Mirala's daughter-in-law. And she had a moment on stage that just blew me away. So that's that's when I fell in love with my first Yiddish actress. She was uh, 92 and I was 25, but it was uh, it it was a platonic relationship. The only physical element was seeing how much herring she could fit inside of me, uh, or rugelach. Now you're now you're talking. <laughs> the herring I would pass on, um, but uh, who who was um, able to consume more? You or she? Oh, I, I was the winner of the herring contest. Okay. She she particularly liked the fact that after serving herring as an appetizer and uh, serving an entire meal that ended with rugelach, I would very often go back for a little more herring at the very end. And I, I mean, I think of. Did you ever see the movie The Graduate? Uh, yes. Or, yes. Yeah, and when he whispers in um, Dustin Hoffman's ear, you know, the future is plastics. Um, long, you know, back then, you made this trek to New York in pursuit of um, acting and, and a love of Yiddish, I believe. Could you ever have imagined, sort of, that it all would have taken this? trajectory and 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 then we'll go sort of through where you started and we'll we'll bring it up to date but I'm curious if you ever imagined that this would sustain you in terms of um, your profession and your engagement with Yiddish theater and culture well uh, no one ever pulled me aside and whispered in my ear Yiddish but uh, I, I did pick an industry with room for growth I guess you could say. Uh, maybe that's a, a bit of contrarianism. Uh, certainly I was uh, largely discouraged, not, not for bad reasons, just people thinking that the days of Yiddish theater, the industry of Yiddish theater was over, that it had hit its heyday and that had passed. Uh, you know, perhaps the heyday has already come and gone with the uh, the uh, dozens of performances each night along Second Avenue or along the Rialto in whatever other city uh, might have been hosting Yiddish theater companies, but it's it's not doing too bad at the current moment. Just a couple of years ago, there were two Yiddish theater productions that were nominated within the same year for Drama Desk Awards, so that's kind of remarkable here in town, one by the Volksbühne, one by the New Yiddish Rep, and I played in that one. Uh, that was uh, Joe Buloff and Luba Kadison's adaptation of The Death of a Salesman, of course, in the Yiddish. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I had an interest in Yiddish when I came to town already as a uh, as a young actor, of course, I read about the influence of the Yiddish theater on the American 
English language stage through Stella Adler and and other uh, other hangers-on of the Yiddish theater in the group theater and and other theaters of the time. Uh, and of course, I grew up hearing a little bit of Yiddish in uh, comedians' talks, you know, the, the roasts that would be on television or the comedians on late-night TV. So I had an interest already, and when I came to New York, I decided to indulge that interest. I went to see Mirella Afros. I loved it, and I said, I wish I could understand what they're saying. And so one of the professors from my uh, undergraduate years, Alan Astro, a French professor at Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas, uh, was in town and he agreed to start teaching me Yiddish. And that was the beginning. And uh, later when I made friends with Mina, I didn't stalk her, but I did see she was appearing somewhere uh, at a conference at JTS, so I attended. And she got up to speak and she said, I was going to give this talk in English about my life on the Yiddish stage, my life as an actress. And uh, I was going to speak in English, but there's a young man here who is studying Yiddish and I want him to hear my story in my language. So if no one here objects, I think I look at the faces and I think most of you understand Yiddish at least. I will speak in my language, and if you have a question, of course you had that Eastern European uh, Yiddish accent. If you have a question, you'll raise your hand, and I will answer in my unaccented English. And then she talked for 45 minutes in Yiddish, and what that signified to me was that I was welcome in this world of Yiddish, that people wanted me to learn Yiddish and that uh, I should go forward with it. And she invited me up for uh, soup uh, after the uh, after the talk, and uh, we became friends for fifteen years, I guess, uh, till till she passed away in two thousand ten. Uh, but. Uh, it, it wasn't easy breaking into Yiddish theater, you know. I, I was part of the Yiddish Artists and Friends Actors Club, but uh, I couldn't get hired by uh, the folks being uh, Most of what they were doing was musicals, and I wasn't much of a singer at that time. Still not much of a singer, but I'm less embarrassed about it. Uh, so uh, I found other work in the world of Yiddish. Uh, I guess the main inspiration for that was during 1996 when I took the YIVO summer program and it's that same summer that I met Luba Kadison. Uh, there was a, an article in the New York Times uh, by, uh, I forget who wrote it, but uh, it, in, it included a bit of an interview with Ruth Weiss, the distinguished professor talking about Yiddish today, and uh, he quoted a couple of places where she seemed to kind of poo-poo the Yiddish revival, saying that it was a way for Jews to deal with uh, Judaism, younger Jews, to deal with Judaism without dealing with Israel. And uh, 
Also, there were a couple of comments about uh, the, the gay and lesbian interest in, uh, in Yiddish that, uh, well, a little bit embarrassing for me because I wasn't uh, out at that point. Uh, but the, 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 the statement that Yiddish wasn't necessary these days, which is, uh, I don't think that's the definition of whether it can live or not, but uh, Ruth Weiss said, Yiddish is not necessary. You don't go to a, a courtroom and speak Yiddish. You don't go to a doctor and speak Yiddish. Of course, some people do, and there are translators for it, but she's talking about the overall culture. And so I decided that Yiddish would be necessary for me, and I wound up working at the Congress for Jewish Culture. Uh, I went in for a job interview there. It's a Yiddish organization based here in New York. I went in for an interview, and everyone was in their 90s except me, and they stood around uh, watching me, asking if I could change the fax paper, and I did, and they, they, they exclaimed, Maladets! And so here I found a job where... I could work exclusively in Yiddish, where a filing cabinet was a registrator, where a rubber band was a gumke, etc., etc. And so this was, uh, I guess this was my entry into deep Yiddish land. I would imagine that for Luba, for Mina, and for the others, it was, I don't want to use the word validating, but heartening, um, just interesting to see that you must have presented a bridge um, and the, the the idea that there would be, you know, sort of a reimagining and an evolution to all of this, which is certainly the contributions that you've made in your career in bringing this forward and rethinking it and performing. I guess so. Uh, you know, Luba never discouraged me, but at the same time, when we would be talking, mind you, this is someone who played for audiences of thousands uh, back in the 20s and 30s. Uh, so certainly it was not the same. When she came to see Carrot O'Brien's infamous production of God of Vengeance at Show World, we were having dozens of people come into the theater. I mean, there was a, it was a small theater. Uh, but nothing like Luba in her heyday. So she used to kind of nod her head and sigh a little bit and say, ah, mevikdaina toit kind. They're rocking a dead baby to sleep. Talk about a grim metaphor. <laughs> but yeah. uh, this, is, this is what she said. But, uh, you know, we were friends and we had a close uh, spiritual connection. I would say, and she coached me uh, with uh, my first monologues in Yiddish when I decided that if I couldn't work with the theater, I would go out and perform monologues, and so uh, that, that is a valid form of Yiddish theater, the Vot Concert, uh, word concert. So she coached me with that, as did Mina, and I don't, I don't know exactly how they viewed it. I just know that we had these rather intense friendships 
or mentorships where I would spend for a number of years three or four nights a week, you know, by one or the other of them. I didn't live so far from Mina, and Luba lived on 67th Street, a half a block away from Tavern on the Green. So I used to see them, eat dinner with them, and speak as much Yiddish as I could with them, and hear their stories about, uh, you know, Yiddish theater in interwar Europe or in Argentina, or uh, playing with Maurice Schwartz down on Second Avenue, or touring the the United States with not a bus and truck company, but in a touring car with five other actors and a pianist, and putting up Yiddish theater wherever there was an empty stage. If there was one Jew in the community, Mina and Ben Bonus would stop, and uh, their company would put on a show there. and. Uh, the, the farmers or people who didn't speak Yiddish would also come to see it because they didn't have so much entertainment, live entertainment, as opposed to television. So I heard about some pretty fascinating times, and uh, I guess hearing about the beginnings of the Vilna Troupe uh, and uh, those Yiddish theater companies that Mina worked with for the Zionist Verband and for the Workmen's Circle, as well as her time during the war, uh, I got a little bit of the never-say-die spirit that it took for those, uh, those people working even in the heyday to, to maintain a career in Yiddish theater. Yeah. Do you, is there anything in particular that you draw from in terms of those interactions and then do you do you also see sort of the um the energy that you and a lot of your colleagues are bringing to performances productions to translations etc currently um that that there's some parallel with what they were doing yes uh, i i certainly do uh i recently did uh, you know Everything's online these days. Mm -hmm. uh, but an online reading of a new play by Rachel Kafferson called Stumo Shabbos. Watched and it on my couch the other night, thank you. Yeah. Aha. Uh -huh. So, uh, so Rachel has created this new play that draws a little bit in part on my experiences with, uh, with Mina and with Luba as well as other people of her younger generation's experience as young Yiddishisten trying to learn from the older generations. Yeah, that and, character uh, was really interesting. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So, uh, so, you know, for that I'm drawing, for, for the portrayal of that aged Yiddish theater actress Sonia Scheinfeld, I'm drawing rather heavily on my time with Mina and with Luba. Mina in particular, I would say, uh, for the feeling of this character. And there's even a moment in the play where they find Sonia discarding her uh, book collection and archives, uh, putting it into the trash, and they're just, you know, how could someone do this? But I used to go over to Mina, she would call up, and she was in a mood that she was going to get rid of things, she was cleaning out her closet, and she'd throw away, 
you know, pit arrangements for songs that she sang, arrangements by Renee Solomon, maestra Renee, Renee Solomon. She'd throw away, you know, scraps of writing. And this, so I would say, Mina, you can't throw this away. So I'd take it home and I've given it to the Evo, uh, although a couple of the books I have myself, you know, the the autographed ones, even though I would argue, and you might agree there at the book center, that uh, an unautographed Yiddish book is rarer than an autographed Yiddish book, uh, because that's unfortunately how a lot of the writers, I guess, had to sell the books you know, individually, person by person. But uh, that character certainly draws on Mina and uh, some aspects of Luba. Uh, also, during an interview, there was a bit of an interview after the performance, Alyssa uh, uh, Quint, I believe, asked about women playwrights, an issue raised in the, in the piece. And uh, I guess people think of Yiddish theater writers as men, but, you know, even today, of course, there's Rochel with her experiments with partial Yiddish and partial English, but Eleanor Risa is working today and creating new plays in Yiddish. She made a play, of Yid, a musical play, of Yiddel Mitten Fiddle that was played in Israel. Uh, and then not too long ago, someone posted on Facebook an advertisement for uh, Dibrida Rashkenazi, as played by uh, Joe Buloff. It said, dramatized by Luba Kadison. And there in the Harvard archives are a number of pieces that Luba dramatized or adapted or translated, including Rashomon uh, in, in Yiddish. So we're, we, meaning uh, I and uh, the people I've worked with, like uh, Alan Rickman and Yelena Schmulensen and... Uh, David Mandelbaum and uh, Rochel Kafferson, Carrot O'Brien, Miriam Chaya Siegel. We're always taking old material and adapting it to our current needs or creating new material based on things that uh, we've read or seen uh, or, or maybe completely, you know, from, from whole cloth making up uh, tales and things. And I'd say it's an old Yiddish theatrical tradition that we're that we're following. Yeah. And the, I've seen you perform in a lot of things back in the day live, um, but now virtually, um, but not hopefully for forever. Uh, and the one uh, performance I missed that I really regret is Death of a Salesman, and I wonder if you would talk a little bit about that because. Everything I've heard from everybody is that hearing it in Yiddish, which seemed, you know, some to some of us maybe like, well, why in Yiddish? But apparently, it resonated in Yiddish in a really strong way. I saw um, what was uh, the in a, um, rhinoceros, and also thought, wow, who would have thought putting that in Yiddish would make sense? And yet it did. So, what was the experience like for you in terms of Death of a Salesman? Uh, well, I'll be frank, and this might mark me as a bit of a uh, a, a lowbrow, but I, I'm not a fan of the play itself. I really, 
don't care for that play much. Uh -huh. uh, but uh, I, I will say that I got respect for Arthur Miller working on it. Um, first off, I think that Bulov's adaptation is, is quite strong. Uh, and uh, the, the Yiddish, playing something in Yiddish is always more interesting to me than just in English, almost 90% uh, uh, of the time, I would say. Uh, and it did seem to reach audiences in a great way. I've, uh, I've only seen one production, I guess, in the theater, and so I can't compare it to much else. But I will say that uh, I played the neighbor, Charlie, uh, mm -hmm. who loans Willie money, and uh, uh, it's, it's a kind of a side role in the thing. But... Uh, there was one scene that uh, we played where they're playing cards. Charlie comes over late at night to offer Willie a job, and Willie starts to see his brother uh, uh, Ben at the same time. So Itsy Firestone came out on stage too. And Avi Hoffman as Willie Loman is playing cards with me, but he's talking to his brother Ben. And I, as Charlie, am not understanding exactly what's going on, so it's all kinds of crosstalk. It was one of the most difficult scenes that I've played on the stage. It was very difficult to get together. It's like, uh, uh, I don't know what the musical term would be, a fugue or something where uh, instruments are answering each other in ways that are unexpected. I don't know if that's a fugue, I'm just picking the term. It, it was quite difficult to perform. It was almost like Ionesco in that sense, you know, with the, mm -hmm. the crosstalk. But uh, it became a challenge that uh, I willingly took on and enjoyed working at getting right. And uh, we all three had to stay on our toes very closely. I think you can see uh, right now maybe... Uh, New Yiddish Rep has that up on their website. If you go to it, you know you'll see. Uh, you can see the 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 tape of the performance. Ah, great to know. Thank you. And um, Jane, before I let you go, two quick questions in the present. First of all, Mazel Tov, congratulations. You are the recipient of the Adrian Cooper Dreaming in Yiddish Award. Yes. Yes. To talk a little bit about. Um, about that, and then I have one more quick question for you after that. Uh, you bet. Um, so it's uh, quite unexpected to me. I mean, I'm sure your audience knows who Adrian Cooper was, uh, one of the top or the top singers for a number of years, and I worked with her professionally. I run the Congress for Jewish Culture now. After years there as a secretary, uh, my boss, Ruzka Alexander, decided to retire in 2002 uh, at, at the age of 90, mm, I don't know what. And uh, so I, I took on the job. And every year for our Warsaw Ghetto uh, Uprising Memorial, I would call Adrienne Cooper, and she would sing for that event. She was the singer. Um, I heard her at innumerable uh, Yiddish Sedorum and, uh, of course, at Kles Camp and Kles Canada. But uh, it, 
you know, she was a singer, and so far this award, which I guess for lack of a better term, uh, we'll call it uh, the, the Yiddish MacArthur Award. It's not quite the same cash prize as the Yiddish MacArthur Award, but I don't know of a higher award in Yiddish culture. It's gone primarily to, to people who worked directly with Adrian, and I never really collaborated with her in, in that way, you know. We'd, we'd hire her for, for our coffee house or, or, you know, take her for the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising Memorial, but it was completely unexpected to me, and uh, it means quite a bit to me. That's uh, happening as part of Yiddish New York, and it will be on December 27th, and I think people can get a one-day pass that includes a ticket to that for uh, Yiddish New York, YNY, as we call it. Um, and right now I'm working on a set for that. You know, we're trying to film a little uh, plague drag wedding, combining two Yiddish traditions, the, the Catskills and Eastern Europe. Miriam Chaya Siegel and I, with Dan Rosengard as the pianist, are trying to put that together uh, as a, a little kind of burlesque performance for it. I, I, guess, uh, I guess their reasoning behind it is my work with the Congress and our little new theater that we inaugurated just before the pandemic started with Moshe Yassour and his wife Beata Hein as dramaturg. Moshe is the director and Miriam Chaya Siegel and I, we started a tiny little, uh, uh, I think Ru uh, Ruchel calls it a, a jewel box theater, uh, a bijou theater in Chelsea and we put up Dorten Vues Nechtiken de Steren by Avrom Sutzkever. And uh, so I think it's this work and also the Mitzi Mana, my, my only Yiddish drag queen in the world, as I, <laughs> as I bill her. Mm. Uh, uh, I think it's this work and uh, maybe some of the work at the Klez Canada Cabaret where uh, Mitzi Mana was developed that, that maybe brought the award. Uh, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's still remarkable to me to think about it. Yeah. Well, if I may, it's well deserved, and look forward to watching the the program um, and the presentation. And last um, upcoming, the Dybbuk. Tell me a little bit about that. Of course, during the time that those ten years or so that I was friends with Luba Kadison before she passed away. I heard numerous stories about the development of the Dibuk as a play for the Vilna Truppe. She had gone with her father. Uh, she had ridden on the train from Warsaw to Otvotsk to pick up the script of the Dibuk from Shinonsky himself. She had done this as a little girl, and she remembered the moment. She remembered meeting him. She talks about it in various places. So Luba would say that she was not religious, but she was spiritual, and her spirituality came from the Dibuk. This was the guiding light of her life. It was not just the, the crown jewel of the Vilna Truppe and of Yiddish and maybe even Jewish theater, but it was her way of life. So when 
I'd hear those stories, you know, she passed that along to me and you ask about uh, what I draw on, I draw on that direct connection to her and to the first production and to Shinansky. And when A Hundred Years of the Dybbuk was coming up, I was already planning in 2019 to create a, a Yiddish performance of the Dybbuk. It's still very often done, not so often in Yiddish. And so I was working on putting that together with Moshe and Miriam Chaya. And along comes uh, our friend, the pandemic, and uh, we had to look at some entirely new way of doing it. And I'm working with some things on Moshe that will be online, but uh, we took Alan Rickman uh, to uh, direct an online version. Uh, via Zoom of the, of the production and it's actually working out in some interesting ways because we can have Mike Burston from Los Angeles is reading the role of Senda Brinitzer and um, who could be better for that role and uh, Mike himself in addition to his own family the Burston family he, he, he played several times with Maury Schwartz's troupe so we have a lot of connections to the real deep Yiddish theater in, in this production. And Rafi Goldwasser, who's in Buenos Aires, will be reading the Meshulach, the Messenger. And Mendy Khan in Israel is reading Rebbe Zrielke Mirapolar and Michael Wex and Yelena Shmulenson and Amitai Kedah. It, it's just an incredible assemblage uh, of people. And Suzanne Torren is just... Uh, beautiful as Frade. So it's a cast that we could never really put together in real life. So if there's a silver lining to the, to the pandemic, it's, it's that uh, we can put this group together for a reading celebrating the 100th anniversary. Uh, we're using the Jewish calendar for a couple of reasons. Uh, of the curtain rising on that very first production of the Dibuk. Uh, we're, we're using December 14th. That is the, the 100th anniversary on the Jewish calendar because it also marks the Jewish date 30 days after the death of Shinansky when the Vilner first put it up. And since it falls out on December 14th, it's also Luba Kattison's birthday. Uh, so that'll be on our YouTube channel. And we're also hosting next Wednesday, uh, December 9th at 1 p.m., we will have a uh, special panel uh, with Nama Sandro, author of Vagabond Stars, and Deborah Kaplan, who wrote the book on the Vilna Truppe, and uh, it's going to be moderated by Carrot O'Brien, who is, you know, she was a very close friend of Luba Kadison's and uh, uh, is herself a wonderful playwright and uh, translator. So uh, these three are going to talk about, uh, and they're joined also by Itzik Gottesman, the lecturer in Yiddish at University of Texas, Austin. So they're going to talk about Shin Anski, they're going to talk about 
the Dybbuk as it was and how it has come down to us today, its influence on the Yiddish, Jewish, and world theater repertoires. So I'm quite excited to hear that talk. Uh, some, some very interesting people for that on December 9th. And that'll be on our Facebook page. Uh, we've made an event, uh, the, the Dybbuk panel. And uh, then if they want more information, they can either write me at the Congress for Jewish Culture, uh, which is congressforjewishculture.org, or write me at congress, K-O-N-G-R-E-S, at earthlink.net. Uh, they can find the phone number on the Internet and call me. I'll talk to them. But, uh, um. The, you fa know, the Facebook page is um, how do people find the Facebook page? Just in case, I think they I think they just look for Congress for Jewish Culture on Facebook, and it should come up. Uh, if they're looking for the Dibik, they should put in Der Dibik, D E R D I B E K. I'll put the Dibik in English on the title as well, so people can look it up uh, uh, too. Uh, I realize the transliteration is a little tricky, but. Uh, right. Yeah, it's it's going to we'll, be we'll a production post, to remember. We'll, post a link. We'll, we'll also post a link on our social media pages for everybody because um, I think the talk and and the performance will be quite something. As you say, it's the silver lining to all of this is that um, there is a lot of work, really creative, strong work being done um, by everybody, which is really quite astounding, amazing, and um, entertaining, if I may. And um, also, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned the the reach of the audience back in, in the heyday, and I think we're now also finding that there are, this is enabling large audiences to see. <laughs> so we can, uh, if we, we can hit those know, numbers again, uh, and, and we we'll can. have... We'll have English subtitles for those who don't speak Yiddish, by the way, for this Dybbuk. For which I, I'm very grateful. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Shane, for um, joining me today. But more important, thank you so much for all the work and all that you bring to aspects of Yiddish culture. Uh, thank you so much for having me, and uh, thanks for your work there. I appreciate it. All right. Stay well, stay safe, and... Um, stay on the stage. Amen. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon. <laughs> <laughs>